Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today. My email is Bryce at unpackingit.com. Today on the show, we will be joined by a, a friend and mentor of mine. He, he's also a pastor and an author of a new book about anxiety. And, and so this is a, a heavy topic. We've got a lot to get into today with David Chadwick, and I think you'll really leave encouraged, and, and, and I hope that something he says today uh, will really resonate with you. David is also a former basketball player and a big sports fan, and so we'll, we'll talk a little sports with him as well. And you'll, you'll hear his answer, because I asked him about watching sports, and before you hear his answer and my response to it, I just have to, to give this disclosure. I miss sports. I want sports to return. I'm so excited the NBA is coming back. I'm very optimistic and, and hopeful the NFL season won't be dramatically uh, affected, uh, at least from on-the-field play and being able to watch games. That all sounds good. But these last couple of months, I have enjoyed watching other things on TV, watching movies, just having a little bit more time to uh, dedicate to some other things that would normally be filled with watching sports. And so <laughs> you'll hear my response. You go, wait, 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 what? But, but that's just kind of my, that's my perspective on things. So I'd be curious your thoughts as a sports fan, how you have responded to no sports. And I think the more it goes on, the more I realize that I do need sports in my life because I think sports bring a lot of value and the excitement, the energy, the connection that it brings with other people is so huge. And so I do miss all of that. So the temporary break has been nice, but I'm ready for it to return. And then the second part of that is sports aren't, you know, my total identity, my, my worth, my, you know, my purpose in life. I've got a deeper purpose than that with with Jesus. So sports are a nice added bonus, but they do add they add value to my life. It's a good thing in my life. I think I've realized too that it's not necessarily an obsession for me, uh, which is good. It can be taken away, and I can still function and, and move forward with life. So we're good there. <laughs> so let's jump in, and we'll have a, a serious conversation. We'll also have some fun with David Chadwick. And before we do that, let me also thank our sponsor. Health Market Genius, do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. It's healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
joining us now on Unpacking It is author and pastor, Dr. David Chadwick. He graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, where he played basketball, was a member of an NCAA Final Four team. He has a graduate degree in counseling from the University of Florida and has two degrees from Columbia Theological Seminary. He is also a radio host and the author of nine books, including his latest. It's called Moving Beyond Anxiety, 12 Practical Strategies to Renew Your Mind. David and his wife Marilyn have three adult children, seven grandchildren, and I am thrilled to welcome back my friend and mentor here on Unpacking It, David. Great to be with you. How are you? Hi, Bryce. It's great to be with you. Thank you for the privilege of being on your show, and I'm doing well. Thank you. All right. Well, man, we, we've got a lot to, to catch up on, and, and we're going to talk all about your, your new book because it's so uh, needed and, and, and encouraging. And so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start, though, uh, with a little sports because I, I know that you're a, a, a big sports fan and, 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 of course, a former athlete as well. So, so how have you felt about not having sports? And I know you love March Madness and, and baseball, and, and so you've been without both of those. It's been really odd, Bryce, to live in this time where – you know, as a sports enthusiast, as I am, and as you are, and your listeners are as well, to suddenly, I mean, suddenly have it all gone. You know, spring training was going on. You're looking forward to the baseball season starting. As you mentioned, March Madness, probably my favorite time of the year, having been a former player. Uh, It just is odd to suddenly have it gone. But you know what's interesting is I have replaced those times in the evening when I was able to watch sports with just being with my wife or being with my family. And watching something else or just talking and enjoying each other. And though it's been a change, I've not found myself missing it a great deal simply because I think uh, being with my family and and especially my wife, whom I really like, we've been married 42 years now. uh, We have spent that time together and really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's been hard. Yeah, I've missed it, but I've replaced it with something I think even better. <laughs> no, that that's great. I, I kind of feel the same way. I'm I'm excited for for sports to come back, and I'll continue to watch them. But if they're not there, then yeah, there's plenty of other great things to do, and life is is filled with with plenty of uh, other joys and opportunities. So uh, I, I'm I'm right there with you. The one thing though we we did uh, receive as sports fans was the last dance documentary all about the bulls and, and Michael Jordan. And so I'm sure you were intrigued by it. Of course, Jordan, a, a fellow UNC alum, and, and there was some footage of, of his former practices and all that. But, but what was your overall kind of takeaway from the documentary? Well, Bryce, I was enthralled with uh, what happened in those years. You know, there was a glimpse behind the curtain, if you will, And I was one of those that watched Jordan through those years and went, wow, this guy is really, really good. You know, I played at North Carolina some 10 years before he was there. And we had a guy named Charlie Scott, a 6'5", jumping jack from New York, who was an All-American three times, terrific player. And, you know, looking at Jordan, though, I went, wow, he's better than Charlie. And I thought Charlie was the best player I'd ever seen. Uh, Just a phenomenal player, a phenomenal gift to the game of basketball. And I found myself watching him. And I think probably the first thing that hit me was how much Coach Dean Smith influenced him. Mm. You know, I heard from his words. I heard in his attitude towards so many different things the words of Coach Smith, and they were the same things he told us when we played for him 10-plus years earlier. He taught all of those lettermen who played for him those very same truths, you know, discipline, 
perseverance, focus, strength comes from within, all of those things. And I could see Coach Smith's imprint upon Michael Jordan in all of those six titles. And it made me realize once again that outside of parents, the most influential person in a kid's life is his middle high school or college coach. Absolutely. That was that was evident. No question about it. And and just some of the uh, I guess the things that were revealed in the documentary or things that we were reminded of. And even some of those things were, you know, questionable or, or negative, and, and it seemed like Jordan was willing to, to talk about some of those things. Anything pique your interest more than another or just uh, kind of the character of, of Michael Jordan and, and how he represented himself, even in this documentary, that, that you found intriguing? Well, as a player, you just have to note the fierceness of his attitude to win. Mm. And I think one quote that I'll never forget is the quote where someone said the reason Michael Jordan won so much was because he refused to let the past influence his present. Mm. And I love that quote, that he would not let any past failure influence his present focus. And that's how he was able to forget the game before and then move on and when he has the flu, score, what, 37, 38 points and pull out the game for the Bulls. He just had that amazing ability to let the present be the present and play in the moment. And that was intriguing to me, just to watch how he was able to focus that way. Well, the, the one other aspect, just for, for you having uh, been a part of the, the, the Carolina family with him, what has what your interaction with Michael Jordan been over the years? Well, you know, Bryce, I've only met him twice, and they were at North Carolina gatherings. One was uh, for uh, something in Charlotte that happened a long time ago. Just some of the former lettermen were there. And then at Coach Smith's funeral, uh, he was there, and I got to shake his hand and say hello. He was very nice, very affable to all of us. But, you know, those are the only two times I've ever really interacted with him. So I don't really know him. Uh, when I wrote the book about Coach Smith, you know, I wrote a book about him, oh, 15 years or so ago, um, which was entitled, It's How You Play the Game, The 12 Leadership Principles of Dean Smith. I tried to identify the principles that made Coach Smith so successful, and, and the book became a successful sale. But I had a list of, of about 20 different people I really wanted to get to to interview them about Coach Smith. And I got to 19 of them, ah. every single one. I got to Bobby Knight. I got to James Worthy. I got to Roy Williams when he was at Kansas, Matt Doherty when he was at Notre Dame. I got to all of those guys, and I tried to get to Michael Jordan. I tried every possible way I knew to get to Michael Jordan, ah. even asked Coach Smith himself if he could possibly open that door. And Coach Smith shrugged his shoulders and said to me these words, David, Michael is Michael. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, you're not going to get to him. <laughs> wow, isn't that something? Gosh. Well, Michael's uh he's one of a kind and, and it was fun. It gave us sports fans something to uh to talk about and, and watch uh for, for ten weeks straight. Uh but but the reality of the, the current situation that, that we're in right now, the you know, the pandemic and, and all that, that is, is happening and, and how it's affecting people in so many different ways. And, and that's why your your book is so crucial right now, and it's called Moving Beyond Anxiety, Twelve Practical Strategies to Renew Your Mind. And, and before we really jump into it, just kind of overall, how has the pandemic affected you personally? And, and then also your role as a pastor. How, how has it affected you from that standpoint? Well, Bryce, um, personally, it has changed how I live life. 
You know, I live life much more via the phone, via Skype, via Zoom, and uh, much more am centralized in my home, which has been an interesting change uh, for one who likes to get out and likes to be with people. You just can't do that. Mm -hmm. So um, trying to navigate that change has been interesting. Again, I've spent a lot of time with my wife, and I really like her. She's my best friend, as you've probably heard me say before. Oh, it, yeah. It's easy to leave your spouse. It's impossible to leave your best friend. Mm. And she is my best friend, and I think the time together has exposed that we really enjoy being with others, with ourselves, excuse me. But for others, it could be that you know this time period has exposed fissures in their foundations of marriage and places that they really need to shore up to make sure their marriages are stronger because they're forced to be together now like never before. But that's been the change majorly. I'm at home a lot. I work out of my home. And uh, for a pastor who loves to be with people, that's been a real change. Uh, But for the work of the church, I think it's just been a totally different situation because we've had to move everything online. And uh, it's been a quick change to doing that. You can't get together for services. You can't get together for teaching opportunities. You can't get together for discipleship meetings. You just have to do everything online. And that's been a huge change. And honestly, Bryce, when we come out of this on the other side, I'm not sure what church is going to look like exactly. You know, people are going to be hesitant to come back into a room with a lot of other people. There are social distancing procedures we're going to have to follow. Will people wear masks? I mean, the CDC in Atlanta has said when churches come back together, avoid singing because that's a way to projectile the virus. And you're thinking, gosh, when you come together, how do you not sing together? You're not going to be able to hold hands and pray for one another. You're not going to be able to lay hands on somebody in order to ask God for a healing miracle. I mean, everything's going to change on the other side of this, and no one really knows what church world is going to look like. Maybe it'll be better, though. Maybe we'll appreciate it more. I know I'll never take for granted now coming together with other people and being able to just simply worship the Lord together. Yeah, well, no, it's a fascinating perspective, and especially to hear your perspective, having been a pastor for 40 years, and your your dad was a pastor, so you've been around church for for so long and we've we've known it a a certain way and you know especially recent decades and we've seen some changes here and there to the structure and all that sort of thing but but yeah how do you kind of feel just about the you know our world has been shaken up for sure through this but but also the the church has been shaken up and what we thought we we knew so what what are some of the positives that you see could come out of this that you're actually uh, leaning into or embracing? I know there's still so much uncertainty on, on what it will end up being, but what are some things that maybe you hope it, it'll become and, and, and you're thankful for some of the, the shaking up that, that has taken place? Yeah, it's interesting you use that verb, shaking up, because uh, I was reading in Hebrews chapter 12 recently in one of my quiet times about how the Scripture says whatever can be shaken will be shaken. Mm. Uh, So I think this has shaken the foundations of people's faith. And I think one of the good things that can come out of this is people will stop and ask the question, what do I really believe? You know, do I really believe that if I believe in Jesus, I have the gift of eternal life? You know, I I had a fever that broke out during this thing, and it went into chills, and my bones started aching some, and I called my doc, and he rushed me to the hospital and got me tested, and I had to wait 24 hours for the result of that test to come back. And honestly, Bryce, I had to ask myself the question, do I believe that if I die, that my faith in Jesus gives me the gift of eternal life, and I'm going to go to heaven, 
therefore I should not fear death. So for 24 hours, I had to ask myself that question. Well, the test came back negative and I didn't have it. Well, purportedly, now, now they're telling me one out of three of those tests were not faithful. Uh. I'll try to get tested another time to make sure. But, you know, at least I'm healthy today. But I think this thing can really shake people's faith up in a good way, mm. that we really can come to grips with what we believe. And we're sure we believe that what we believe. And it's not a tepid faith. It's not a a faith that is shifting sands kind of faith. It's one that really is rooted in a firm foundation on the rock, Jesus himself. So I think that could be very good. I think it's going to redefine church too. I think people are going to be asking the question, you know, do I just go to church to Mm. put a check mark next to a box so that I can feel good about myself? Or do I really want to, in Hebrews 10, 25 language, do not forsake the assembling together of believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I believe like the psalmist said, it, it is good when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Do I really believe church has value in my life? And it is the called out people of God assembling together for the purpose of witnessing to our deep faith in Jesus. If that happens, then this can be used for great good in our nation. And I think that is happening in many quarters. Absolutely. We're, we're seeing, uh, yeah, the, the, the genuine faith really uh, emerging. And, and I think also just because of everyone uh, struggling and wrestling with what we're going to talk about now, the fear and anxiety, they're looking for answers. And, and ultimately it's found in, in Jesus. And so they're drawn to him through this as well, which is really exciting to see people's lives change through that. So uh, let, let's talk about what people are experiencing right now, which is anxiety and fear and, and, and worry. And, and so the timing of your book, which you, you've been writing the last couple of years, but it came out in April, right in the middle of all this. And, and so how, I guess, yeah, just how amazing is that to you that, that, that the timing of it, but, but also what are you noticing as far as the, the principles of this book and how they're really translating so well in the middle of what, what people are facing right now? Well, Bryce, when uh, I was talking with my publishers about a year and a half ago regarding another book I could write, uh, they asked me, well, what do you think is a topic that you could really address uniquely because of who you are? And I thought, well, then anxiety was the major negative emotion that adults are experiencing. And I thought, well, anxiety is the second major reason that teens are committing suicide. So it's a huge problem. And I thought, well, I've got a graduate degree in counseling from the University of Florida. I've got biblical and theological training from seminary. And I've wed those two together, as you know, in my ministry through the years. So I would be well-schooled and able to write a book about anxiety. Uh, So we agreed to do that a year and a half ago, not knowing what was going to happen uh, when the book would come, come out, April the 21st, 2020, we'd be right in the middle of this pandemic. So I just have to believe that was a part of God's sovereign plan that the book would come out now to help people deal with their anxieties and fears. Because if it was a problem a year and a half ago, it's like the embers of anxiety and fear bubbling, and all of a sudden you pour a bunch of gasoline on top of it. Um, It's like um, anxiety on steroids now because of the COVID uh, pandemic. So the book's principles are really just 12 spiritual disciplines to help train the mind to think rightly. Because I really do believe, Bryce, that you are what you think. Mm. Whatever you put in your mind is going to cause you to feel what you feel. So if you want to deal with your negative feelings like anxiety, you've got to change how you think. 
I didn't come up with the idea. The Apostle Paul did, for example, when he said in Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He said in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things that are above. In other words, look at life from an eternal perspective and train your brain to think that way. You know, over the last three months, interestingly, CNN just did a study that anxiety medications have increased 34%. That's a remarkable statistic. So people are turning to their medications in order to deal with their anxiety. And I don't want to be anti-meds. I'm not at all. But I do want to say that biblically, there's another way you can deal with this problem that I think long-term solves the problem better than medications. And that's these 12 spiritual disciplines that the Bible addresses over and over again. And if you'll learn how to think like God wants you to think, if you'll learn how to discipline your thought life, if you learn how to take anything that comes in in spirit and invite it out of your mind and replace it with thoughts of faith and hope, etc., you can control anxiety in your life. I've seen people do this through the years. I've seen myself do these principles through the years, and they really do work. Oh, amen. I love it. Moving beyond anxiety, 12 practical strategies to renew your mind. And and, and you mentioned the eternal perspective. And, and I've heard you preach on this just about the idea that, you know, we want to be eternally focused, but we still have, you know, things going on in life and, and we, we still want to make an impact here on, on earth and, and be present in, in people's lives. So So how does that eternal perspective affect our mind to where, we still think about eternity, but we still think here. And what's that kind of proper uh, perspective, I guess? Well, we, we still have to do our work that God commands us to do here, and, and that's to love our neighbor, care for the poor, give food to the hungry, give water to the thirsty, give clothes to the naked. All of those things, Bryce, are commands among many others in the Scripture. And we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The body of Christ is actually Jesus here on earth to love and care for other people, especially those in dire needs. But the question is, where is my mind focused as I care for others? Mm. And if you have that eternal perspective, I think there are three words from our perspective to God and God's perspective to us that can guide us. First of all, when we deal with anxieties and life not operating the way we want it to and hurt and pain that comes to all of us, and no one's immune to it. You know that. I know that. We all go through really tough times when they happen, not if they happen. Jesus said, John 16, in this world, you will have tribulations. What a promise. Mm. He says that. We're going to have them. Then the question comes, when they happen, will we say these three words to God? It's your deal. Mm. It's your deal. Um, you've got to control this. It's beyond my control. Who, who of us controls one second of the COVID pandemic? No one does. I don't care if your name is Fauci, Johnson, or Chadwick. Nobody (laughs) controls this pandemic. So you've got to go high. You've got to go to an eternal perspective. You go to God and say, it's your deal. I'm trusting you in this. I surrender it to you. I'm giving it to you. I have faith that you're overseeing this. I'm going high like a parasail, and as the higher I go, the more I look down, the smaller things become. Mm. You've got this. It's in your hands. It's your deal. And then we hear three words from God. He says, I've got this. Mm. <laughs> I've got this. It's in my hands. I control it. And I really believe, Bryce, that the peace that passes all understanding will come to our hearts and alleviate anxiety 
when we give it to God, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all our cares upon him because we know he cares for us, and then we truly believe that he's got it. He's got it in the palm of his sovereign hand. He's controlling it. He's overseeing it. And we can therefore continue to do our work to serve him without anxiety because we believe with all of our hearts we're living in our minds from an eternal perspective, and he's got this. I love it. I love it. Having that eternal mind in the midst of, of, of what we're doing. So, cause it, cause it's not something where, yeah, we just focus on eternal things in the morning or at night or on Sundays during church. It's a, it's a constant renewing of our mind and, and thinking about or thinking through that lens, right? That's the, it's the, it's the lens that we're looking through. Uh, and then that's, then, yeah, like you say, everything becomes small. We have the right perspective as we, we go higher. Mm, love it. All right. Very cool. Well, the, the other thing I'm curious to get your thoughts on is the, okay, so you, you landed on the word anxiety and they're so loosely, that word is so loosely connected with fear and worry. In what ways do you find those words to be the same? How are they different? Do you approach them any differently or the same principles apply? Well, I think the same principles apply, but in this difference. I believe anxiety and worry are synonymous. Okay. They're the same expression of the same emotion. Fear is different, though. And here's what I believe. I believe anxiety is the emotion, the feeling that something bad might happen. Mm. I think fear is the negative emotion that something bad will happen. And when you really cut off the head of the snake of anxiety, fear will wither up. And truthfully, 90% of what we worry about or are anxious about never happens. And studies prove that. So we focus often on things that we think are large or going to happen, might happen, and they never happen. So if we can deal with the negative emotion of anxiety, fear should shrink in our lives as well. And interestingly, I want to make it clear, Bryce, that anxiety is an emotion. It's not a sin. Mm. Anxiety is an emotion. Let me let this be clear to all of your listeners. It's an emotion. It's not sin. But what is the thought that brings anxiety to the fore? It's unbelief. Mm. And Jesus says so in Matthew 6, 25, when he says, you know, don't be anxious for any of these things like your food or your fashion or your drink. You don't need to worry about those things. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds in the air, how God cares for them. He'll care for you, the crown of his creation, even more. Then he chides his followers and says, oh, you of little faith. Mm. So it's unbelief, really, not having that eternal perspective we just talked about that often exacerbates anxiety. So if you can change your belief system, if you can start thinking the way God wants you to think, that then should address anxiety, what might happen. And then once you get that solved, that should then cause fear to be eradicated, what you're fearful will happen. Amen. I love it. Well, you provide 12 different strategies. And of course, faith is really at the foundation of it, which you just talked about. And and so of the of the 12 different strategies, do you find that that one is harder for people to embrace or, or to, to implement in their own lives? And, and do you find one to, to maybe be easier, like even as you're talking with, with people and, and counseling with people where you feel like, okay, they'll get this one quick quickly, but this one always seems to be a little bit tougher for people to grasp? Yeah, probably the one that's hardest for folks is my first principle. It's the focus on faith. Mm. You know, people's minds are focused on anything but faith. 
They're focused on their sports life. They're focused on their family. They're focused on their job. They're focused on the world circumstances. I mean, they've got their TVs tuned to CNN or MSNBC or Fox. They're being constantly fed a stream of negativism. Hey, news outlets know if it bleeds, it leads. So we're getting negative stuff pumped into our mind almost every single day. We've got our Twitter feeds that are focused on something to give us instant news. We can know something bad that happens in China in a second and cause our worries to then be enlarged. So I think the hardest one for people is to believe that we're not feeding our minds faith every day. We're feeding it fear. And we just need to sit down and do an honest think inventory and see how much negative stuff we're getting into our minds and refusing to do what Paul told us to do in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive before it enters your mind. Take it captive, usher it out, and fill your mind with thoughts of faith. Because, Bryce, the truth is you're either focusing on the size of the mountain or you're focusing on the size of your God. You're either focusing on the size of the problem or you're focusing on the promises of God. It's one of the two. Your mind's one of those two places, and that's the hardest one to get people to realize. But when they stop and think and go, you know, I really do allow a lot of negative stuff to come into my mind. Streaming on Netflix, a lot of violent, really mm. lurid, sexualized thoughts and images we let enter our minds. And they rummage around inside, and they do affect our emotions. So we've got to take every thought captive. That's the hardest one, I think. I think the easiest one that I have found for people to grab hold of is chapter 9, remember. Mm. You know, to go back and remember a time when God came through for you. Yeah. Go back and find a time when you were up against the wall and, you know, God came through. Remember that time, okay? Now, if you remember that, here's what I want you to do. If God did it once, he can do it again. Amen. It's really that simple. Go back to that memory of God's miraculous in your life. When he came through for you, may have been big, may have been small, doesn't matter. Remember it. When you remember it, and God has given us that great gift of memory, hasn't he? When you remember it, then you know, again, if he came through once, he can come through again. And what does that do? It increases your faith. And your mind is focused on that memory of faith, which then increases your present faith. Mm. I, well, I can agree with that, because I've experienced that for sure. When I when I dwell and remember and, and thank God for what he's done in the past, it definitely builds me up to, to keep going and persevering, for sure. And, and really, just Hey, that, Bryce, let yeah. me, can, I, can yeah. I interrupt you real quickly yeah. on that? Because you just said something real key. Another positive thought that people need to put in their minds is thanksgiving yeah when a negative one enters spirit usher it out replace it with a thankful one remember a time when god gave you something but also just go outside and look at the sky look at the creation look at your life look at your baby you know and just start thanking god and when you start thanking god there's not a negative thought that can get near your mind oh it's so true it really is and yeah just the 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 strategy of replacing so we replace the negative thoughts with the positive ones and yeah it's so key but i I think just as you're talking of course this is all you know rooted in the the renewal of our mind we have to be active thinkers because i think so often we don't even realize that our thoughts are affecting our behavior and our feelings and and we're just kind of just going through the motions but we have to really be aware of how we're thinking and and so that's why these these strategies are are so helpful so uh check out the book and and here's some other uh just of of these strategies i want to share with the listeners uh remember your body sing uh consider creation 
uh, and then also get good teammates. And so that's something that, that we can maybe we'll, we'll focus in on this one and then, then we can start to, to wrap things up. Uh, but the idea of good teammates, we, of course, as sports fans can understand this and relate to this. What do you mean specifically in regards to dealing with and battling against anxiety? Do, do, where, where do good teammates come into play? Well, Bryce, let's go back to creation where God said in his word that it's not good for man or woman to live alone. Hmm. We were intended to be interdependent and interconnected with one another. And so we need other people just to live life well, don't we? And that's why all the one another passages in the Bible, love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. They make no sense if we're living in isolation. The Bible concludes we're going to be in community with other people, and that's why we will need to do all those things. Well, having understood that we were created to live in community and translating that into sports, well, unless you're playing tennis or a a sport where you don't need teammates, you need other people to help you win. And, of course, I played basketball where you had to have not just five but a whole team that helped you win games. Well, in life, we also need those teammates who increase our faith. Mm. We need people who walk alongside us in life who help us live well. So here's the deal with that chapter about teammates. If you've got people in your life who are constantly feeding you negative thoughts, if they're constantly criticizing you, if they're constantly giving you discouragement, if they're doing all those things that keep bringing your brain down and causing anxiety to increase – The only thing I know to say to you is find a new team, you know, get new teammates. Now, when I've said that, some people have asked, well, aren't we supposed to be in the world and help unbelievers come to know Jesus? Well, I'm thinking they are your believing friends. They are people who walk with Jesus along with you. And you need people who will lift you up, not tear you down. Yeah, be in the world and help bring people to Jesus. But even if they're negative people among those in the world, you might need to remove yourself at least for a season from them so you can build your faith and train your brain to think rightly. So this chapter is all about making sure as you walk through life, because we do need one another, you're surrounding yourself with people who will put words of faith, words of hope, words of positivity in your mind and not negativism so that you can win this battle of faith over fear. Amen. Well, let, let's uh, wrap it up right there. The book is called Moving Beyond Anxiety, 12 Practical Strategies to Renew Your Mind. And, and part of the, the promotion says it will equip you to defeat worry and fear by trusting God and exercising your faith daily. As you immerse yourself in God's truth, you will discover it is truly the most powerful antidote to anxiety. So, Encourage everyone to, to check out the book. And, and David, so good to have you on the show. Such, a, such an encouragement uh, to, to me and to our listeners. And so appreciate you being obedient to, to write this book and, and, and just thrilled to, to know that, that God is using you in this way to share uh, your experiences uh, through such a, an important topic. So thanks for, for coming on, unpacking it today. Well, thank you, Bryce. And if the book and my time together with you today helps even one person, it's well worth it. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. He's David Chadwick joining us here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. We're back in studio, and what an encouraging word from David Chadwick today. And just appreciate his willingness to tackle 
this topic and to put it in a book and, and then to share it with us today. And the, the one aspect of it that I want to bring up again and add to it a little bit is this whole idea of what we focus on. He, he says, you know, are we focused on how big our problem is, how big our God is? Are we focused on, you know, how, how big the, the, the issue is or are we focused on the promises of God? Are we focused on you know the worldly things or earthly things through that perspective? So that that's so crucial. And my my other, another mentor that I have has you know just encouraged me to to really replace those thoughts and the way that we do that you know anxiety and worry and fear and stress and all those things that pop up. The way to replace those when that when it happens is with meditating on scripture. And and David may have even said this too. It's just this this idea that we have to to have those verses in our heart and mind and in the fabric of who we are. And it's not just you know reading the word and and even knowing what the word says. And we can you know remind ourselves, oh yeah, I know the I know the Bible says don't be anxious, but it's understanding the full verse and to have multiple verses that that come to mind. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. So when we it, the Holy Spirit will bring those things to mind. When, when we've really meditated on them and put them into our heart and spirit with intentionality so that we know, you know, just the, the full scope of, of what the Bible says and, and, and then in, in those key moments, okay, yeah, I can, I, I can recite that verse, bring that verse, okay, that's what that says, yeah. And it's like, okay, whew. then we catch our breath and, and we can continue to push forward. And, and I know I'm simplifying it a little bit, but that's, that's the power of God's Word power of the Holy Spirit in us, but we have to take meditating on Scripture seriously. And so that's, that's the encouragement uh, that I've received that, that I want to share uh, with, with you today. And, and then the, the one other thing is I think we have to really be willing to talk about it. And when we talk about it, not necessarily saying, oh, yeah, oh, I'm anxious, you're anxious too. Okay, that's nice. That gives us some level of comfort but we have to be able to share our feelings of anxiety with people that are maybe doing well or have learned or have you know matured in this area so that they can really help us because if we're just oh okay i'm oh yeah i'm i'm worried about this oh yeah you're worried about that and then we just go back and forth and it it doesn't necessarily push us forward but if we have someone that says hey here, here, here are the 12 steps. Here are three things. Here are four things. Here are five things that I've done. Here's one, one big takeaway that can really have a big you know, impact on you. Those are the kind of people that we want to reach out to and talk to. And, and be, we have to be vulnerable enough to go to them and to not think to ourselves or buy the lie that, oh, they're not going to want to listen to me and my, my issues. If somebody's been there and been through it, and they're going to be willing to help. And we got to find the right people and, and have that honest conversation to, to make sure that they're willing. But, but I think we have to step up and say, hey, th- these are the issues that I'm struggling with. Can you please pray with me? Can you pre- please you know, walk alongside with me? What have you learned in the past to ask some of those questions? And then if we happen to be one of those people that maybe it's not as much of an issue with the anxiety, the worry, and, and we've learned some of this stuff and, and God has really changed us and and some of the things that David mentioned, we've already been implementing, then let's absolutely either reach out to people or, or let people know that, that we are open to walking alongside, praying, and listening, and being a good listener 
so that people can help process some of that stuff. Now, there is a need for counselors and trained counselors and, and, and pastors that, that do counseling care and all that kind of thing. That's all key. I'm saying just as friends and mentors in you know less professional ways, uh, at least initially, and then if we recognize, ooh, this person may need more professional help, nothing wrong with that. Take those steps as well. And and incur and then I think that's the other part too. We have to encourage each other if it has gotten to that level that maybe we've tried a bunch of different things and, and need to take it to a, a professional to, to get another opinion and, and and maybe some ongoing help, that's great as well. And I think we, we have to uh embrace that as well. So those are some of my thoughts. Uh but we'd love to know what you think. How how did you uh hear and receive David's encouragement today shoot me an email bryce at unpackingit.com bryce at unpackingit.com as always i'm a sports fan who follows jesus i believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin he was resurrected and through faith i've been saved by his grace i hope that is true for you as well and i hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow jesus together Thanks so much for listening to the Unpacking It podcast. we got more great interviews coming up soon. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for rating. Thanks for reviewing. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for posting on social media, letting us know what you think about the show. All of that is huge, and it helps. Keep it up. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.